Welcome to the Mental Models Podcast. I'm George Baxter, and I'm a hedge fund manager for SaberPoint Capital Management. I'm Dan Krawczyk. I'm a neuroscientist and professor at the University of Texas at Dallas. And together we explore mental models. That is how we view the world and what the world gives us for feedback. It's not a brain in a jar. That's the gist. Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Models Podcast. Today we're going to be uh, focusing on the working from home situation and uh, some tips and best practices, things that George and I have been doing or wish we were doing that we think is a good idea, and uh, some of the uh, biological advantages and disadvantages of different kinds of uh, work from home practices. I'll kick things off by describing uh, the norepinephrine system of the brain, which I've taken a big interest in in recent years. A lot of the research field has been focused on how we retain information, how we focus attention, how we fight fatigue. Norepinephrine is really key to that whole situation. So uh, whenever something sparks our interest and moves us to action, the locus ceruleus is an area of the brain that releases norepinephrine. And what it does is essentially move our brain into a task-focused mode. And uh, we have a period of time where we're going to take action. We're kind of operating at our peak. It's sort of that, with that, that state where you want to be, like your flow state for work. Trouble is, fatigue sets in over time um, as we experience uh, sort of less... Uh, you know, just just maybe things not going as well, we start to lose interest and, and kind of move off and get into that rut where it's time for a change. And very recently, um, my students in, in my graduate seminar class have been doing their presentations. One of them had presented on this very cool paper uh, about astrocytes. Now, astrocytes are these cells that support uh, the neurons within our brain. For a lot of years, we thought of the astrocytes and other glial cells, as they're called, as being just this nutrition and support, uh, sort of the filler for the for the brain with the neurons being the star of the show. Now, when norepinephrine is released, your neurons become very active. And it turns out, based on this uh, paper by um, a researcher named Mu from last year in 2019, they were evaluating uh, zebrafish, of all things. And they had this whole swimming uh, situation where they would monitor the swimming of the zebrafish, and they were innervated with norepinephrine when they chose to swim. Then they changed the visuals, so they appeared to be going nowhere as they swam. And astrocytes actually picked up an activity. It was almost like a signal in the brain that this isn't going so well. And then that activity really shifted, so very high calcium activity in these astrocytes, when the fish became passive. And I think there's a, a real parallel to human behavior where we get interested and innervated when we're surging with norepinephrine, do some quality work. And then as we experience uh, fatigue and lack of success, probably our astrocytes turn on, essentially cueing our brains to move into more of a passive mode where it's time to change it up. It definitely seems that uh, there are some dynamics associated with working from home that make it more challenging to basically separate your home life and your work life. I find personally that uh, I actually end up working a lot more uh, having Zoom and you know this virtual interaction that we have where the door for decision fatigue is actually somewhat rising uh, where you know it's more likely for us to, to fall into that trap uh, because we're going nonstop. One thing that I think is important is to have time that you schedule where you get up from the desk, you take a walk, 
uh, where you've stopped working. You're not focused on work. You're not paying attention to what's on the phone. You're not paying attention to whatever immediate demand happens to be there so that you can be somewhat refreshed uh, when you sit back down and you're facing yet another task. Right. And you mentioned decision fatigue. This is uh, something that occurs as we uh, take action and as we um, perform work. Gradually, we're sort of like, uh, it's almost like a counter on your energy level and you're, you're decrementing it each time you do something. And this happens with decisions for sure. And we've talked about this in a pre previous podcast, the phenomenon of decision fatigue, that it's a, it's basically a biological feature of the way we function, that we sort of have this alertness and then it's going to decrease over time. Some ways to safeguard against decision fatigue, certainly uh, breaking up your day in some sense so that it's not all one continuous flow of activity. Because you're absolutely correct. There are fewer barriers to doing work uh, if you're in a home environment using Zoom, using WebEx, um, on a computer. It's very easy to get kind of pulled into a vortex. I mean, we all, all have experienced this computer time phenomenon where when you're working on a computer, it feels like you're about to do just five more minutes of work. In reality, you're doing another hour of work. And usually it's a loved one who will tell you, you know, you're you're just lost here because your sense of time is uh, very distorted. Yes. And, you know, normally we have a commute or something along those lines uh, where there's a real separation from the, per the workplace uh, and from home. It can make for a very difficult environment because perhaps you're having meetings and there are family members that are active in the house in the background, uh, which can increase your stress level. Uh, but at the same point in time, uh, you've kind of invaded their space, right? So, you know, typically this is something that you do away from the home uh, and now you're doing it at home. So uh, whatever that activity is, uh, is disruptive to the flow that they typically enjoy. Yeah, so finding some workspace within the home and dedicating that is quite important and ideally making it have some buffer zone so that family members are not um, intermixing. I mean, we've probably all had these Zoom calls where you see someone walking back and forth in the background. It's very distracting even for the people on the other end of the Zoom. I think it's even more distracting if you're in that household. So uh, one thing I've tried to do is just hold all my meetings in kind of secluded spaces. And I vary it up as well, just so that I'm not, um, again, sort of locking myself in a closet um, just try to find um, some differentiation from meeting to meeting so that I'm uh, not disturbing others. I'm unlikely to be disturbed. It sort of in some way substitutes as a commute if I'm kind of just changing up the pace a little bit. That's just one tactic I've used. Yeah, fortunately uh, for me, I tend to do most of the work that I do in the study. And then uh, we can get up, leave the phone behind, leave everything behind. Because you don't want work to become all-consuming and continuous. You've got to be able to break it up and definitely uh, find a designated place. Like, a, you know, a commute used to do that. But now you really need to have a time and maybe a, a place designated where you're doing this work. And you don't return to that unless you're working. Right. And as far as alertness, uh, just enhancing your productivity and your uh, mental fitness for work, um, I'm reminded of a, a talk I'd seen some months back uh, by Russell Foster, who's a sleep researcher over in the UK. And he had a really striking uh, finding that he shared 
Um, basically, if you're um, in a cavern, you know, completely devoid of uh, natural daylight, what tends to happen is you don't sleep eight hours the same hours every night. You might get eight hours of sleep, but one night you'll go to bed at 11 o'clock and the next night it drifts to one o'clock and then it drifts to three o'clock. And so you may be clocking eight, six to eight hours of sleep, but the, uh, the clock keeps advancing without uh, daylight uh, influencing us. So it's almost like humans are optimized for a different sort of clock, not a consistent 24-hour clock. So I think for, I've thought about this a lot during this, um, the shelter in place uh, work conditions that um, I found that I, I was wanting to, to drift a little to getting up later, which may be a natural sort of occurrence. One thing I think that's uh, very good advice, again, from Russell Foster, is if you're going to do some exercise, try to do it early in the day and try to get daylight exposure. So that will really help you to get your circadian rhythms sort of back um, regulated. So, so I think that's great advice. Try to get some uh, early daylight exposure, get some exercise in, and then in some sense your body is reset for the day. And that may help with some of that natural drift that tends to occur. To kind of wrap it up, I think the advice we would give is to have a schedule and uh, try to get some sort of exercises if you can during the day in the sunlight. Have breaks so you can get up and get away from the computer for a little bit. Uh, and then when you end the day, uh, make sure that you're devoted to uh, being in the moment at that time and you're away from work uh, so that it just doesn't seep in and uh, become a uh, continuous interruption of your personal relationship. And I think we have a tendency to be experiencing a lot of negative news lately. And so shutting off phone alerts, I think, can be really good advice, especially before you're going to go to sleep. I, I find that an exceptionally difficult time to take in news coverage, especially of a, of a negative and traumatic nature. Um, you definitely don't want to be disrupting sleep further there. And probably also that would apply to your work hours. Try to get better work hours in by not uh, being distracted. So just to bring it back full circle, try to get those uh, norepinephrine neurons active, you know, do a call, do some quality work. And then bear in mind, your astrocytes are going to start telling you it's time to be passive. And maybe go take a walk at that point, um, break up your day a little bit in whatever way you can. Maybe listen to a podcast and do some work in the yard. Or buy a great book like, uh, oh, I don't know, Understanding Behavioral Bias. That could be a helpful thing to break up your work. All right. Well, this is great. That'll wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for spending your time listening to the Mental Models Podcast. Content matters because your brain does not exist in a job. Please subscribe and like Mental Models Podcast. The five-starred book, Understanding Behavioral Bias, A Guide to Improving Financial Decision Making, is available through Amazon. This book will help you overcome the biases that are keeping you from investing success. The Mental Models Podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.